are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Are you ready for the word today? I'm ready to bring it. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Oh, yeah. We got a good one today. We're in part two of our series, My Big Fat Mouth. Let's all just say that. My Big Fat Mouth. Oh, yeah. It gets me in trouble all the time. Part one, we talked about the problem of complaining. Problem of complaining. And here's, here's our, uh, our series scripture that we're basing this series off of. It's found in Proverbs 18.21. It says, the tongue can bring what? Death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Uh-oh. Look at that in the message translation. I love this. Words kill. Words give Life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison. I want you to think about this illustration as we move through our message today. They're either like poison. They kill. They kill dreams. They kill intimacy. They kill vision. They kill confidence. Words are like poison or they're like a bowl of fresh fruit. They bring nourishment. They bring healing. They bring strength to one's body. I want you to look at this illustration as we move forward and ask yourself, are my words bringing life and nourishment and healing or are my words like poison? Are they bringing death to my relationships Death to my thinking, death to my finances, death to my marriage. What is it? It says in the scripture, it's your choice. It's your choice. It's not your neighbor's choice. It's not your spouse's. It's not your kids'. It's your choice whether you're going to speak words of life and healing and health or words that are poison. Hmm? Words are like seeds. If you speak positive, faith-filled ones, that's what will grow in your life and in others' lives. But if you speak negative, destructive, mean, and unkind words, that's what will grow in your life. Words are like seeds. Words are like seeds. Are your words faith-filled? Are your words positive? Are your words uplifting? Do people want to be around you because you encourage them? Do people want to have lunch with you? Do they want to be at your table? Because every time I'm at their table, they just encourage and they just build me up. Or are people running from you because of the poison that comes out of your mouth? Oh, it's gonna, we're going to go there today. We're going to go there today. Because here's the truth. All of us deal with one thing in our lives, and that's a spirit of criticism. And that's what I want to talk about today. 
the problem of criticism because all of us are guilty, guilty as charged, criticizing others, criticizing other people's kids, criticizing other people's political preference, criticizing people's marriages, criticizing someone's hairdo, criticizing what someone drives, criticizing, criticizing. We could criticize all day long, can't we? And we could get caught up in this cycle of criticism. So today I want to talk to you about criticism. And I'm not talking about constructive criticism, constructive feedback that we give because we care about people and want to help them get better. Here's what the pastor is talking about today. The kind of criticism that nitpicks, the kind of criticism that's unkind and cruel, nagging and destructive, the kind of criticism that belittles other people. Most of the time, may I submit, belittles those closest to us, those who live underneath the same roof. Some of you are thinking, thank God my pastor hears from God because my spouse needs this message. My spouse really needs this and I'm thankful we made the effort to come to church today because this is the word for them. Some of you are thinking, man, this is going to be great. I can't wait till the podcast comes out because I got a coworker that I'm going to send the link to. They need to hear this. I got a boss that I'm going to say, hey, enjoy the word of the Lord. (laughs) But may I remind you today that the series is called My Big Fat Mouth, not Their Big Fat Mouth. I'll drink to that. Are you with me? Are you ready? Because we're going somewhere. The problem with criticism is really difficult to see in the mirror. It's really difficult to see in the mirror. And we hate people that criticize us, but we, are, we often don't realize when we're criticizing other people. Because we often feel justified criticizing others. Well, they're just not like me. And they don't spend their money like me. And they don't raise their kids like me. And they don't vote like me. And they don't go to the same church like me. And they're a different color than me. Come on now. They spend their money different. I can't believe they bought that car. And I can, you know, they can afford that. Are you serious? I know they've been through bankruptcy. And how can they get that? Come on now. They couldn't even buy cookie dough for my kids for his fundraiser. They're rolling up in a Mercedes. Bless the Lord on oh my soul. They, they sure don't raise their kids the way I would, and their kids are nothing but a hot mess coming into church looking like they just woke up in their PJs. Huh? And I can't believe they post that on Facebook all the time. And they're always posting this. And did you see the outfit she had on on that picture she put on? And she says she loved Jesus. Oh, I'm coming for everyone today, (laughs) including myself. And can you believe she wore that to church? This is God's house. Hmm? And what we're saying to other people is this. God has a great plan for your life, and so do I. That's what we're saying, because, because 
because we want people to make the same decisions we make and we want them to live the same way we live and we want them to raise their kids the same way. And guess what? We are all different. Thank God we're not all the same. God uniquely designed us and made us the way we are. Life would be boring if everybody looked like you. Be boring, but we're all different. Different temperaments. Come on now. Different backgrounds, right? Raised different in different environments, different learned behaviors that we learned growing up in the household we grew in. And we're all different, but we get to criticizing people because we, we believe they need to be like me. And if they're not like me, I feel justified in criticizing them. They don't worship like me if that church ain't like me. If they didn't vote Republican, Democrat, or independent like me, then I have the right to criticize them. It's quiet up in here. It's okay. I'm confident today. I am confident in this word. Remember, a critical spirit is difficult to see in the mirror. And we hate when others criticize us, so why do we do it? And here here is one of the reasons I believe why we do it. Because we believe they deserve it. We believe they deserve it. We believe they deserve it. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about this subject. We're going to go to several scriptures here and see what God's word, how it can help us today. Galatians 5, 14 and 15. For the whole law can be summed up with this one commandment. Love your neighbor as who? Interesting, verse 15, that right after this, Paul writes this, hey, the whole law, you guys are trying to keep 800 laws. Jesus came now, he fulfilled the law, and here's what it all can be summed up in. This right here, love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15, and by the way, if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Wow, wow, how God knew that that we would struggle with this. It says, beware of destroying one another. The whole law can be summed up. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you don't love yourself, how can you love others? If you don't like the man in the mirror, the woman staring back at you in the mirror, you can't properly love others. And that's when we get into this rut of criticism because we don't love ourselves. What if some of you, your mouth... Your criticism was destroying the potential intimacy in your marriage. What, what if, what if, what if your critical words are driving a wall between you and your kids? What if the poison that's coming out, life and death, the power of the tongue. Another scripture says, I got to put a guard on my mouth so that I do not sin against it. Criticism is sin. It comes out, it's poison. It brings death to our relationships. God said, no, I want want your words to be like a delicious bowl of fruit to bring health and healing to those around you. What if your criticism is holding back that job promotion? What, what, What if those words that are coming out, I hate my job, I hate this company, I hate my boss, What if your criticism is putting a pause on your calling because all you do is criticize the church and its leaders? We'll move right along. (laughs) What what, what if your critical words are keeping you from sharing the good news with coworkers because they can't get over the fact of how critical you are about anything and everybody? 
What if you're hindering somebody from coming to Christ because of the words of poison that come out of your mouth on Monday morning? Hmm? We gotta be careful that our words don't end up hurting and bringing death to those around us. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Come on. You ever had words spoken to you that cut, that hurt? Yeah. Some of you grew up in an environment. Some of you grew up in a family and, and you have this bad learned behavior because all, all you ever heard was people getting chopped up. All you ever heard was people being belittled and, and cut down. All you ever heard is people being degraded. And so therefore now you're an adult and you're dealing with the same thing with your family and your kids and your marriage. Hmm? Words can cut, but the words of the wise bring healing. So question, are your words cutting people up or are your words bringing healing to others? Hmm? Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is hopeful, helpful for building, for building for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. People are listening to you. Your kids are listening to every word you say. The way you talk to your spouse, the way you talk to each other, the way you, they're listening to those words, those words are staying with them for the rest of their life. But look, look what Paul said. Stop spewing poison out of your mouth. Stop it. The unwholesome talk, stop it. It, it. It's hindering people. What I want you to do, I don't want you to tear down people with your words, but Paul said, I want you to build people up with your words. Your words have power to build people up. They have power to build your marriage up that has been hurting. They have power to build your kids up so that they can become all that God has called them to be. Your words have power. Your words have power. Build people up with your words. We have no idea how much criticism can pierce and hurt someone's heart. Some of you know, because all your life you hear the words replayed. All your life you hear the words of your father, the words of your mother who always chopped and cut you to pieces, could never say anything good about you, but always was nitpicking like a scab on your arm, was always picking at it. Some of you know what it's like to have those words of criticism replaying in your mind. We have no idea how much criticism can pierce and hurt someone's heart. And we have no idea how God might use a single word to build up and encourage someone. Which is it? Are we going to be critical and hurt those that we say we love the most? Are we going to be people that speak words of life to build others up? Because we only have one life to live. We only have one life to live. I want to encourage you to build others up with your words because your words have power. Your words have power more than you could ever imagine. 
I was eight years at New, in New Jersey and pastoring out there. And my pastor, David DeMola, um, was a man who spoke words that encouraged me. I didn't know what I was doing there. And here I was at this large church. And, and every time, every time I would walk up to him, every time I would call him, every time I would be with him, you know what came out of his mouth? Words that built me up. Words that encouraged me. Words that said, you can do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm here. I don't think I can. I don't think I can. And he would just keep saying the same thing. Every time I would talk to him, every time I would have an encounter with him when I was feeling down, when I was feeling doubtful that I could fulfill this vision that was on my life, he would say these words that still ring with me today. He would say this, I believe in you. I believe in you, but no, I believe in you. I believe in you. And those words built me up to the point where I started to believe in myself because someone else believed in me. Because someone else seen the potential, someone else seen something in me that I did not currently see, and and someone else knew that I was called there for such a time as this. I didn't believe that there could be hundreds of teenagers on a Friday night serving God. I did not believe that there would be a a student conference birth and there would be 3,000 students that would attend. I did not believe that we would have a voice in the New York City, New Jersey area that would still be shouting today after we were gone. I didn't believe that, but he did because his words brought healing. His words brought health to me. When I didn't believe in myself, he believed in me and it made me a believer that I can do it, that I, I, I can accomplish it. Ask yourself today, are you a life giver with your words or are you a life taker with your words? Ask yourself that question. Are you a life giver? Are you a life giver? Are you a life taker? Hmm? What kind of person do you want to be? Two type of people I want to talk about the remainder of my time. What kind of person do you want to be? First kind of person is a fault finder. Fault finder. Fault finder. They look for what's wrong before they look for what's right. Those are the people that are always looking what's wrong. What can I pick out? What what scab can I open up again, another wound? How can I make them bleed again? How can I find something? How can I nag at them, nitpick about something that's wrong in their life? And they don't even see the things that are right with someone. It's quiet in here and it's okay. This will make you think. This is very easy to do in a marriage because we see each other's faults. They're so visible. We live with each other. We know each other's faults and this is very easy to do to pick our spouse apart. Always find faults. Well, you didn't wash the dishes right. Well, you didn't wash my clothes right. Well, that meal was horrible. We should have ordered takeout. Come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't like the way you drive. I don't like the way you walk. And the way you chew is annoying me. You're so loud and obnoxious. Can't you close your mouth when you chew? I don't like what you eat. And your hairdo, you need a new do. 
And please put socks on your feet because your toes are ridiculous. <laughs> and we do this with other people. We criticize them. We criticize them on social media. We criticize them. The pictures they put, well, she said she loved Jesus, but did you see that outfit? And we criticize other people's way they raise kids. And let me just say this. Be careful how you criticize your kids. Because what happens is we expect our kids to be adults and they're really kids. And we want them to be something that we were never. And so we put such high demands upon them and we can end up driving them away from the plan and purpose of God if we're not careful. Yes, we should mold them, shape them in the way that they should go, but we should not criticize them. They're kids. They're kids. Let them be kids. They are not adults. Let them be kids. Come on now. If you're a fault finder, you're, you're a lot like the Pharisees. They were this group of people in the Bible who... Who, who were self-righteous, like better than, I'm, I'm better than, like I got my life together, but you guys don't. That they, they were the fault finders in, in the New Testament. And, and, and they were always looking for what's wrong. They, were ne- they could never pull out what was right in the individual. It was always what's wrong. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. They never encouraged, they never built up. Their words weren't, like a bowl of fresh fruit, their words were like poison. And these were the church people of those days. May, may I remind you? These were the church leaders of those days. And, and a few things, that, that characteristics of the Pharisees. Number one, they were full of pride. They were full of pride. It was all about them. It was all about them. Number two, they were extremely insecure with themselves. Listen to this. So they would criticize in others sometimes the very thing that was a weakness within themselves. And we do the same. Number three, they criticized other people that they didn't understand. That they didn't understand. So often we criticize from a distance things we know nothing about. We are all guilty of this. We are all guilty. We jump on the bandwagon on social media and we don't have the full story. We don't have all the facts. And we demonize and criticize people that don't believe like us, that don't vote like us, that don't look like us. And we don't have all the facts. We don't understand it, so we criticize it. Hit the nail on the head right there. And we've all been there. We've all been there. We do it in politics. We do it in church. We do it in raising our kids. So question, are you like the Pharisees? Number one, they had pride. I'm better than others. They were self-righteous. Number two, they were insecure. Because when you're insecure, you tend to criticize in others what you're most insecure about in yourself. And number three, we criticize when we don't understand when we don't know the whole story, when we don't have all the facts, we criticize. That's why we got to be careful what we say about other churches. People come to me all the time. Well, I came from this church and this and that. Hey, God bless you. I heard it's a great church. I'm not here to hear what your criticism of that church. Because if you're saying that to me, you're going to leave my church and you're going down the road and you're saying the same thing about me. Huh? And we criticize our political preferences, 
And we criticize different races and different people. And it's sin. It's poison. And we wonder why the culture we live in now is so tense with criticism. It's so tense with criticism because of the vehicle of social media. Social media has flared the flame of racism once again in our nation. It's poison. And some of you are drinking your own poison and you don't even know it. Boy, this is good. And hatred that was lied dormant from when you were a kid, from when you were told to look at those people different is now stirred up. It's now stirred up in your heart because you're drinking your own poison. You're drinking it one gulp at a time. You're killing yourself and everyone around you. Words bring life or words bring death. Your choice, your choice. May I remind you, we will all stand before God to give an account for every word we have spoken. Ouch! I don't like that verse. That's painful. Every word, God, yep. Wow. Maybe I shouldn't talk about and criticize the church down the road. Maybe I shouldn't talk about my church and my pastor anymore. Maybe I shouldn't have pastor for lunch. Some of you get that on the way home. Um, I've never met a critical person that I wanted to be like. I never met a critical person that I wanted to be around. Actually, I despise it. I don't don't want to be at the table. I've never met a critical person that said, hey, man, let's go out to lunch. No, I'm good. Really don't want to be around that. I want to be around people who build me up. I want to be around people who lift me up, people who bring healing to my life, to my marriage, to my relationships, people that look like this delicious bowl of fruit. I want to be around people like that, that build me up, not cut me, but build me up. So we can be critical fault finders or we can be, come on, I believe you're this, a hope dealer. I believe that's who I'm talking to today. Even if you found yourself as a fault finder before you walked in today, everything's going to change for you. Come on now, you're going to guard your tongue so that you do not sin against it. You're going to realize the power of life and death are in the words that you speak. And today you're going to leave a hope dealer. Look at this, look at this. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you or fuel you. Come on now. With all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with what? Hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is Paul speaking and Paul was the king of hope dealing. Yes, he was. Paul wrote more than half of the New Testament and his writings were full of hope. His words were full of hope for others. He was going around planting all these churches. And if you look at the epistles that Paul wrote, it was nothing but hope filled words that he spoke. I mean, in Romans eight, he was speaking. He said, Hey guys, there is no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus, those who are called according to the spirit. Then he said, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Then 
in Romans 8. He said, hey, guys, you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He goes on to write in Romans 8, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present or future. Nothing in creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was dealing hope, y'all. He was dealing hope. Jesus, Jesus, your savior, the Messiah was a hope dealer. Yes, he was. First Timothy, it says Jesus is called our hope. Titus 2 says Jesus is called the blessed hope. First Peter 1 says Jesus is the living hope. Now the Pharisees didn't like that Jesus was a hope dealer. So one day they brought this lady who was caught in the act of adultery. And they all had a stone. Every one of them came up. Jesus, the law says to stone her. We caught her in the act of adultery. Now, the the text doesn't say this, but I'm almost certain Jesus said, who caught her? Wait for it. Who who was the peeping Tom here? (laughs) What do you mean you caught her in the very act? That's what the text says. Read your Bible. Your, your Bible's amazing. You got nothing on days of our lives. I mean, these guys are peeping through the window, a chick having a dog. Anyway, in the act, y'all. Anyway, moving right along. Who caught her? Jesus looks at them one by one and says, hey, guys, he who is without sin, who throw the first stone? And and the Bible says, one by one, they dropped their stones. It was the very first Rolling Stones concert. I worked on that all week. I expect you to laugh a little more than that. Just saying. Just saying. Jesus looks at the woman, woman, he did not condone her sin, but he gave hope to her that, hey, you don't have to live this way. There's a better life for you. His words were words of hope. And he looked at there after they all walked away and said, where are your accusers now? And he said, hey, you're going to be all right. Walk with me. Go your way. And by the way, don't do that sin anymore. It's not benefiting your life. It's not producing any good fruit. It's poison. It's not going to help you out. But he was hope filled. Here the Pharisees were the fault finders and Jesus was the hope dealer. Which are you today? Are you the fault finder or the hope dealer? Come on now. I believe I'm talking to some hope dealers that want to build up, that want to lift up, that want to strengthen others, that want to encourage others. Because all the, all fault finders do is belittle, criticize, and tear down. Mostly because of their own insecurities. Mostly because of pride. Mostly because they don't have all the facts. They don't understand the whole story. But they feel justified in criticizing other people. How about we be a church of hope? dealers. How about we say, hey man, there is all kinds of great churches in this city. And no matter if you've been hurt by a church, no matter if they did you wrong, let's speak words of hope. Let's speak words of life. Let's speak words that build up other people, not cut people down. Let's be the hope dealers that God has called us to be. 
When's the last time you built someone else up with your words? Think about it. Think about the impact you can have on your kids. Think about the impact you can have on future generations by serving in our kids' team and helping build up those kids. Think about the impact you could have on your spouse if you just started every time you wanted to... I want to nag, I want to criticize, I want to pick the scab, but I'm going to say, I love you. (laughs) Come on now. We've all been there. Truth be told, for the first probably five to ten years of our marriage, that was me. That was me. I was the fault finder. I was the one that criticized my wife, my kid, people around me. Why? Because I was insecure with me. I was insecure with the man in the mirror. So I belittled and put down others. Such a man I was, wasn't I? No. Any man can belittle and put down others. But it takes a true man of God to admit, hey man, this is wrong. This isn't pleasing God because this is God's daughter. He created her. This is God's child. He created him. And I need to treat them with respect, honor, and dignity. Whether I agree or not. I'll go to counseling at Preserving Marriages and work it out. (laughs) But I'm not going to be the fault finder. I'm not going to criticize. Think about the impact you could have on your coworkers. Hmm? Maybe, just maybe, you're the very person that is stopping them from coming to God because of your negative criticism. I hate this job. I hate this. I hate that. I hate our boss. I hate our foreman. I hate our supervisor. Huh? Maybe you're the person that's holding up someone from coming to God. Maybe they say, hey, man, I know you give me those little cute and bite cards, but I'm not going to come because I don't want to be like you. It's true. It's true. It's true. Maybe you could have an impact and encourage someone who is messed up and not criticize them. Say, ah, you dirty, rotten old sinner. But maybe you could encourage someone that walks through the doors and you know their past, you know where they've been, who they did it with and where, what they've been doing. But you can say, hey man, there's hope here. Don't care about the past. Don't care what you did to me. I don't care about the hurt. Hey, there's hope here. There's hope here. There's hope here. Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God in some area of our life. There are no perfect people in this church. Let's think of the impact you could have when you start speaking words of life over your church, over your pastor, and over the leadership. Instead of criticizing to others. Well, I don't like that they do that. And I don't like that they do that. And this, that, that was too loud. And I was freezing. And last week I was hot. And I had to park two miles away to get to church. What is this? And I don't like the smoke. It messed up my contacts. Come on now. Just think of the impact you could have if you started speaking words a lot. Can I tell you there's no perfect church? And when you go to a church and you say, man, this is perfect. It becomes imperfect when you show up. (laughs) Got you there. There's no perfect pastor. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect pastor. Just ask Tara. (laughs) 
No, but I want, I want, I want when, people, when people are around me, Brother James, I want them to say, man, that's refreshing. Man, that's awesome. Man, he builds me up. Man, he lifts me up. Man, look at him. He, he knows the mess that I'm in. Tara, you get two for putting up with me. Man. Good. Good catch. When people leave my presence, I want them to say, man, every time I'm around him, he makes me believe that I can do it. He makes me believe I can start that business. He makes me believe I can get free from this addiction. He makes me believe I can get out of debt. Every time I'm around them, I feel nourished. I feel whole. I feel healthy. I want to be around them more. I want to hang out with people who are hope dealers. No one wants to be around a negative criticizing person. No, no one wants to be around because it it's poison. It's poison. It brings death. Your words bring death. They lie. They kill or they give life. They build up or they tear down. They cut or they heal. Which is it? I want to I I breathe words of life. I want to breathe words of life. God, forgive me of my pride. God, forgive me of my insecurities. God, forgive me for not knowing the whole story and criticizing people, politicians and criticizing people in the church and criticizing other people, how they raise their kids. Forgive me, God. I want us to walk like that as a church. I want us to say, God, forgive us for looking down our long religious nose like the Pharisee at certain people that walk through the doors who have hurts, hangups, and habits. Forgive us, God, for such as us, such was us, God. We, we all have some kind of hurt, hang-up, and habit in our life. Forgive us, God, for criticizing them, saying, I can't believe they're at church. Forgive us, God. Forgive us. I want this to be a church filled with hope dealers, a church that when people leave, they say, man, I can't help but to come back. There's so much hope in that place. I mean, they're dealing hope like something crazy up in there. And I want to be around it because it encourages me. It, it makes me want to do better in life. It makes me want to get free from this addiction. It makes me want to serve God because of the people at Fuel Church. I want to be a better person. I want to be a better Christ follower. I'm out of time. I'll be here next week. Bow your heads with me. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved, and I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision, but just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, come into my life, change me, in Jesus' name. It's simple as that, and I encourage you, find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.